Welcome to GWC Podcast number 332, recorded July 8th, 2012. In this episode, we share some of our experiences with tabletop gaming, board games, card games, and everything in between. But first, your hosts, three unrepentant sci-fi geeks. I'm Chuck Cage. And one day you end up a big evil, you know, crap ass. And with me, Audra Hester. If I had a nickel for every time I got boned at the eye of Jupiter. And Sean O'Hara. <laughs> I shall fart. <laughs> Our mission, enjoy new science fiction, fantasy, and other cool stuff every week and share the experience with you. Oh yeah, and have some fun in the process. GWC is brought to you largely by the generosity of listeners like you. It's your donations that keep us going. For more information on how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. And the fine folks at audible.com. Visit www.audiblepodcast.com slash watercooler for your free audiobook. Of course, we'd love to hear your opinions, too. So if you have something to say or, hey, you could introduce us to something new, don't just holler at your MP3 player. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229, extension 701. And leave us a voicemail for inclusion in a future show. Better yet, you can join the GWC community, a group widely recognized as the friendliest people in sci-fi, and watching, reading, and enjoying all kinds of cool stuff 24-7 over on galacticwatercooler.com, our website, blog, and forum. GWC is a spoiler-free podcast, and we define spoilers as definitive information regarding material not yet released in the United States or its country of origin. In short, if it's out, it's fair game. Welcome back, everyone, to uh, GWC podcast number 332. Uh, as with last week, uh, Audra and I are actually at San Diego Comic-Con right now. In fact, we're actually there right now. That's so awesome. We're having a great time, I'm sure. Uh, hopefully we do, in fact, or I'll feel really stupid for having recorded that. But uh, anyway... Um, so we're preloading all of the podcasts in the network so that you have all the content you're used to the whole time you're there, especially if you're traveling, uh, to and from, uh, San Diego or somewhere else. And, uh, as I mentioned last week, a little bit last minute prep stuff kind of threw our schedule off as well, which meant that we weren't all able to kind of sit down and do the normal thing like we do. Uh, so instead what ended up happening is that, uh, Audra, Sean, and I uh, sat down and recorded the new segment for this week. And then later I sat down with Sean, and then even later I sat down with Audra, and, and I recorded separate little segments with each one. And this one talking quite a bit about uh, about tabletop gaming, about board games and card games and that sort of thing. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, Sean and I talked about well, you know, we've told the story, I don't know how many times about, and we joke about it, about like uh, uh, when we played Star Wars Risk together and we kind of got in a big argument about it and I manipulated the games and uh, social engineered them and blah, blah, blah. And we weren't allowed to play together. And ultimately, well, I guess what I'm saying is in this podcast, uh, we talk not jokingly, but seriously about it. And uh, Sean and I sit down and talk about, we tell you things like how it, destroyed game night and we didn't do game night after that and 
uh, kind of talk a little bit about maybe what, <laughs> what made us that way and why we're not anymore, or at least strive not to be. And then uh, Audra and I sat down and we, again, Audra didn't have quite as much time because of her schedule. Uh, we were in a bit of a rush, but still we had some time where we talked about uh, her experience with board games as a child. She played a lot of board games. Uh, she has a cool Trivial Pursuit story and some things like that. And uh, anyway, we'll get on with it. Uh, just to remind you that uh, we will have some cool, hopefully a cool segment from San Diego Comic-Con that Audra and I recorded, I guess since this would release on Saturday or Sunday. It would have been Friday, the Friday previously that we recorded at Buster's Beach House with everybody. So uh, you should hear that next week and uh, or, or hopefully soon after. And I'll just stop bouncing around with things I don't know and trying to predict the future and instead just tell you that uh, you're about to get some news. And now... Galactic... Water cooler... News, updates, upcoming stuff in general, and anything else we care to talk about during this segment. Okay, I got one to kick this off. I read that The Hobbit finished shooting. I read that as well. Like, they have completely shot all of it. Um, <laughs> now, for two years of post. <laughs> well, and, and there are two of them, right? The the Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, and The Hobbit, There and Back Again. We rap about <laughs> witches and trolls. That's a nice pull. Yeah. Nicely done. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I know that there, it was... It was they were filming. I know they finished, but I didn't know that. Uh, Two hundred and sixty-six days of principal photography. Oh my god! That does Holy not surprise crap. me at, at all. Yeah, what is that, eight months or something. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot. Holy wow. crap! It's gonna. Let's see. The first one is gonna be released on uh, December fourteenth, I guess, of this year, and then the second one will come out on December thirteenth of twenty thirteen. And uh, they do mention that uh, that they're going to do something at Comic-Con as well. This year? Yeah, which... Nice. Yeah, theoretically, we will be attending right now. Yeah, yeah. Did, did awesome. you hear the rumor that uh, Gimli is making an appearance? Wow. I, it's just a rumor. I don't know if... But, you know, people have been saying that... Uh, what, what's his name? John Reese davies is going to be back wow. in The Hobbit as Gimli. Huh. So I don't know. Well, I, I can tell you that this will be the first time I went through, that I get through The Hobbit without being scared crapless and finish it. So, uh, Really? Like when you were a kid? They you... had that cartoon or that animated The Hobbit when I was a kid, and it scared the living tar out of me. I just, yeah, I never saw that. Really? No. What was it? What kind of art was it? Who did uh, it? It was, it was uh, I don't know who did it uh, as a kid, because I was, I had, I know it scared me, so I just stopped doing it. Uh, it was very well done. Uh, it was done in kind of the same style as The Last Unicorn. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, which was super scary and dark. I love and, The Last Unicorn, though. Oh, it's, it's a great awesome. story. Yeah. yeah, I love The Last Unicorn. I was not a big fan of The Hobbit. The Hobbit was a lot more serious for me and a lot more scary because the Hobbits were very small and they were kid-like to me. So yeah. It reminded me of bad things happening so to me, it was and I was dark. down. So in The Last Unicorn, let me guess, the storyline was that The Last Unicorn was the last of its breed because it was hunted down by the other mis mythological creatures because unicorn blood provides a high like heroin. No. But you're, <laughs> you're close-ish. 
Now, all the unicorns were hunted down by a uh, wizard prince who uh, could not bear to see their beauty uh, anywhere else but in his eyesight. So he captured them all, put them in the sea, and wouldn't let them come out. And there was only one he was missing. And if he got the uh, the last one, they would forever be kept in the sea. And so a wizard changed her to a girl. Uh, another wizard changed her to a girl to avoid him seeing her. And it didn't work out very well. Uh, and she wound up, uh, they wound up killing the prince. And she uh, turned back into a unicorn. So she was not reunited with the man she loved. And they all went away. But the unicorns Is were. Is that considered bestiality? Uh, at that point, yes. <laughs> no hooves. You know, but uh, no, she had hooves when she was done because she turned back into a unicorn. Oh, yeah, but during. During, no. So. They're like. Technically, we, no. We live in a dangerous, battle-ridden, male-dominated medieval society. I know how to keep you safe. Let's turn you into a little girl. <laughs> yeah. Actually, and, it sounds a little bit like Battlestar Galactica. You think about it. I'm I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, think about mean? it. Well, you have you have like uh, like Starbuck that turns into something else, and then and misses out on her love connection. Oh yeah. I'm just like I guess. <laughs> I, I was and by making the way, a dark I, I love connection, the last unicorn. You know? I'm just I I also like making fun of things I like. So. Yeah, I, I never was, saw it, but I I couldn't. Know. Although I still That's I a, still hold that Starbuck was the original. Like you know, when the Cylons had been defeated before, I yeah. think the original Cylon was still. Like the sign it was God, interesting, and, and sent Starbucks to keep everybody holding it down. There's still an active "What the hell is Starbucks?" thread yeah. on the forum. I'm I still, mean, I'm still betting everything I that, that I see tells me she's not an angel. She's just a, she's just a Cylon. She's an angel of death. <laughs> she's very good. At, by the way, have you guys seen Sorry. her uh, new series? No. What is it? Uh, Longmire. No. Yeah, Longwire? Longmire. Oh, Longmire. Sorry. Yeah. No. Uh, I did yeah, not know about that. She's uh, casting that. She's a uh, sheriff's Longmire? deputy. What? What? Uh, on, I think it's on A&E. Yeah. Uh, no. I could see that. She'd uh, be a good sheriff's deputy. Yeah. She's she's pretty badass in that. I bet. Uh, so uh, it's she seems excited about it. it. She looked good. I saw a couple episodes of it, but I haven't really. Huh. I'll check that out. Checked it out. But uh, it's it's pretty good. It's, it's kind of one of those... Um, uh, you know how like they have the urban cop dramas. This is like a uh, rural uh, cop drama, a rural uh, sheriff drama, <laughs> like Corner Gas. <laughs> Very much no, like with that, but with more meth labs. <laughs> yeah. it's the more same meth idea. labs and shooting people and tracking them through the forest and stuff. And and uh, so there's just a little bit more of that. Do they have a bush. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you don't get bush. to see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> the no, surveillance a- bush. Yeah, there's another new uh, show to mention. Uh, it's a web series, and it's a uh, Tom Hanks is making it, and oh, he's yeah? been working on it for a couple of years. Yeah, it's going to be a number of just like few minute long shorts that all together add up to about ninety minutes, uh, and it's called Electric City, which I have to admit, maybe it's because the Black Eyed Peas song version of it, but it doesn't. I don't know. It's already kind of unoriginal sounding to me but don't but you yes, love I get it. electricity electricity yeah all i can uh, think is we're gonna rock down to <laughs> <laughs> all i can think of is you know electricity boom, 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 and, and fergie and anyway chuck you were saying no i was just thinking isn't it cool how like back in the day which was not that long ago um but in internet years internet years are like 10 to 1 in normal years 
Like back in the day, web series were like little projects that people did for yeah, it fun. Was like, and it was like some, it was like a dirty word in some way, you know. Yeah, yeah. The guild comes along, like and everybody's like, "Stepchild," you know. Like, I'll just do doing? it on the web because yeah. no one else will buy it, you know. And then you have breakouts like the guild. I meant to say, and then you, you know, and all of a sudden. Now, fast forward a couple of years, 20 years in internet. It's a viable time. business model. And yeah, Tom, Tom Hanks is like, Hanks we is should it. put this out on the web. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I love that. Yeah. So it's uh, it's funny because sci-fi. Well, the man who brought you Bachelor Party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Nicole McNor, Felicia's Day, <laughs> and her wonderful crew. Exactly. Um, Crap. What was I going to say? Oh, uh, sci-fi and, and Blaster are referring to it as an anti-dystopia. Which what I know I'm like, isn't that utopia? utopia? (laughs) I guess not. I I don't know. Um, But actually, it's it's just a bunch of people that sit around in a room and argue that dystopia doesn't really exist. (laughs) We believe in nothing, Lebowski. They're they're against it. (laughs) We're going to cut off your Johnson. (laughs) It Um, all takes place. I frack you. I (laughs) frack you. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Exactly. I just bought that color's weed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I guess it's supposed to be like a a very realistic, like hyper realistic, like this is believable, gritty kind of um, maybe what they were trying to say is that it's going to be gritty and realistic, but not dystopian because so much sci fi of that vein is dystopian. In, in what way? What do they think that means? I'm interested I don't know. In. I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't get more information than that. They were just saying it's almost a film noir kind of thing. Nobody has more information than that because they ain't showing crap. <laughs> I look for it, but they ain't showing much about that's, this. That's why they use the word dystopian because they just pulled it out of their ass and anything else to say. But it's it's virtually <laughs> out, though. I mean, uh, July 17th is the debut day on... Uh, the soft opening. On Yahoo. <laughs> on Yahoo. So... I Sorry. yeah, and it's got it's got Jeannie Triplehorn and uh, a number of other people. Jackie Treehorn. That's <laughs> what I heard. That's like, that is exactly Jeannie what I heard. Triplehorn. Uh, you know, I always think of her as the lady from uh, Waterworld. <laughs> which is that I, who she, that is? Yeah, she's the she's Audra the Saltwaterworld. The, 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 mom, the mom the type person. Yeah, she was like I don't know late twenties or something. I can't say anything on that because I saw that in the theater too. Really? Yeah. I, I, Am I, I the only one? The I'm the only one yeah. in this room. It was Mad Max the on water. Of course I'm going to go. I know, I know. They're like, what we need is Mad Max, but we'll reverse it. <laughs> all water. Just, yeah, it's all water. I See, actually like that does water. not make it anti-dystopian. Yeah, it, it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't terrible. <laughs> it was still it was a dystopian. Fun movie just yeah. with more water. I went to see it on a matinee back in the day. Yeah, it cost me like three fifty. So I felt I got my money's worth out of Waterworld. You know what that reminds me? Of? That remind, what was um, what was that wor- that that movie with uh, uh, with Brendan Fraser where he he was the caveman that that uh, Pauly Shore like thaws? Oh, and, Encino Man. Yeah, Encino Man. I saw Encino Man with my friend Carrie in the Dollar Theater in Florida. It was so scary. They had like a hole in the roof and like seats marked off under it and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, they had this special night. Yeah, like, it's nothing compared to what's on the floor. Oh, yeah. That's why you don't want to be there. But they had a, uh, yeah, they just don't turn the lights on. It's like like nightclubs. You don't want to say it with the lights on ever. <laughs> but, just don't bring in a black light. Oh, God, yeah. But they uh, the funny thing is they had on Wednesday night, they had a thing where it was like sale night at the Dollar Theater. It was a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> so we saw Encino Man for a quarter. I felt you got your money's worth. Hell yes, we love that movie. We came. It played out on CBS the same night. <laughs> Whatever, man. They were Encino like, Man was great. Actually. Yeah, yeah, it was a funny. People movie. were all like, "Oh, that movie sucked. I can't believe it ripped off." I'm like, 
Maybe it was because I paid a quarter for it, but I got a big kick out of that movie. Yeah. It's in the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I loved Brendan Fraser's hair in that. Brendan Fraser is just badass. You remember him in Scrubs? Yeah. yeah. My mom yeah, would... would watch that scene where he was taming the horses like yeah. 15 times. He was really hot. Like my high school friends and I watched that when, or we were in middle school, I guess, when it came out. But yeah, we were like, oh, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah, so was my mom. Uh, but you mentioned uh, Mad Max the, uh, a few minutes ago. They say that Mad Max 4 or whatever it is has now started filming. Nice. for the. Uh, yeah. Now, they've been saying that since 2004. However, uh, they do have the crew and the director and all the rest of that stuff. And you Charlize know, we Theron know, shaved her head, so we, we know, know for, she's committed. We know for a fact they've made the car. Charlize Theron is, is out there. Right now, uh, so, she shaved her head. Oh, Matt costuming. Damon shaved his head too. So it's essentially movie, yeah. like a reboot of the original series, where of the I mean of the original movie, where everything is pretty much identical, except you can understand Mad Max more, and he's more of a bigot. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. Is is Mel Gibson in this it. one? I hope. I'm just kidding. I was I gonna say. I, I, was no gonna say I don't think they cast Mel Gibson no in this news at all. Yeah. So they will. Who would you cast? I don't know who they did cast, but who would you cast in place of him? Mad Max. I'm trying to think. You know. I still love that song. Damn straight, and she is awesome. I don't care. Yeah. She'd be like 200 years old. Have you seen her live? She's awesome. amazing. She puts on a great freaking show. I saw her about 10 years ago, and she was still kicking ass. I actually and, named a firework after her. Those those ones that go down, like they, they poof out and then they go really slow and they look like a giant <laughs> wig. Sorry. I'm like, that's the Tina Turner. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the ones that look like giant willow trees or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah. They're like white, whitish, you know, that's and damn, they come that's down awesome. slow. I can like, see that's that. a Tina I'm going to use that. That's look, cool. it's Tina Turner. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Tina Turner. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who I'd cast for that. It, it'd have to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sam Worthington be cool. That's not bad. That's not bad. I don't think he's got enough. Uh, I don't know. He's kind of clean looking. Yeah. He's yeah a remember big. him in the Terminator movie? Yeah, though? but he's a little big. Oh. You know, if you throw a bunch of grease on his head and, and cut his hair, I could see Hemsworth in there. Hemsworth in there. Mm. He could do He's it. too big, too. No, he could do I it. I think he got to be a little scrawnier for that. Mad Max was never like, I mean, it's not like he wasn't in shape or anything, but Mad Max strikes me as a, as a kind of wiry. <laughs> Hemsworth could play your Lord Humongous. Just walk away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I, yeah, I don't know. That'd I be call tough. those kind of bald guys that play superheroes. They're not really the. Yeah. Mad Max always beat you because he thought in front of you. Right. Right. No, now, he I mean, thought he's three wi- steps ahead. Yeah. He's like wiry. Like the, I, I imagine him built like that guy, uh, like the kind of farm dudes that don't look very big, but they are strong. But they will whip your ass. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they like throw 50 pound hay bales around Fassbender? all day. Michael Fassbender. He's too small. Yeah. He's a little, he's, he's a little like on the a, other side. Yeah. He's kind of a, he does that. Too small. Creepy looking kind of, and he's like, has this square jaw and everything. Yeah, Fassbender, like, Fassbender's built like a lizard. You know, he's very quick Which is awesome. and kind of Just, stringy, but not, he can play the helicopter pilot. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> a guy, he's the wrong actor, but. What a, Colin Farrell? A guy uh, built like the dude from uh, Tron that you don't like. What's his name? I 
don't dislike him, uh, Garrett Hedlund. I yeah. just I don't like his acting. Bill like him, of, but not him. You know, though he's not with us anymore, Heath Ledger could have done it. Oh, you are not yeah, kidding. That yeah. is perfect. That You're right. That I mean, would have been the dude. That would have been the dude had he yeah, been around. Absolutely. That's who I'd have picked. I'm buying that uh, completely. But, uh, if I had my druthers, that's who I'd pick because his voice keeps coming in my head. His build, yeah. his the way he can do things. He would he would do an all right Mad Max. But uh, other than that, I'm not really sure. But yeah, it is started filming now. At least that's the Jake uh, Gyllenhaal maybe closer. You know that? Yeah, that's closer. Yeah, also kind of clean cut. Yeah, but uh, even if seen you, him in like brother or, Jarhead uh, or? yeah, Jar, you know he you can uh, mess he, him up. He dirties up. Good. Yeah, you can yeah, mess yeah. him up. <laughs> nice. It's not like Sam Worthington where he always looks kind of clean. I know you put dirt all over, he still looks clean. You know, <laughs> what I mean? uh, it's just like uh, it's no. the, like overly yeah. square draw and perfect features and stuff. It's like no matter how dirty you make that, they still look yeah right. Bradley you know? Cooper maybe? No, he still he still looks. Okay. Too pretty. Yeah. Channing Tatum would that's it. Would, would, mm. would look okay, but I don't know if he could do the the role. But uh, but you you might see it soon. One thing you will not see soon, however, is Ghostbusters three. Oh, I heard actually. Yeah, I heard about that. Yet another like on again, off again thing with uh, God. Yeah, Bill Murray with Bill Murray. Uh, again, the, the really? studio said nobody that, cares anymore. Yeah, the studio said that uh, uh, we're not doing it. We're not going to sign off on it and pay for it if we don't have Bill Murray. Wow. Bill Murray said he's not going to do it unless the script is good. So we're meaning bad, meaning he would approve of it. Yeah, meaning it would be a Venkman heavy story. I'm guessing. Right. Uh, that would. Uh, I'm guessing that's what would, they should do. That they should just get perfect. the approval and then fix it in editing. Like, well, <laughs> the script is great. Why is it twice as long as I don't know, man? I don't it's know. Just, it's, uh, it's strange. <laughs> it's, it just happened that way. It's, we need to focus a little bit on B coverage in this. Uh, you know, this B story about you know the real movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm really excited. The the first movie uh, has has been part of my identity for for many years. I mean, I still quote it. Uh, to this day, you know, I love this plan. How excited to be a part oh, of it. Yeah. I mean, there's so <laughs> many, there's so many quotes in that movie. It's ridiculous. I got to tell you though. Have you noticed that, that ghostbusters are the cosplay of jocks? Now it's sort of like the, the fringe cosplay. Really? Yeah, I swear. Like, watch- like people who want to cosplay, but yeah, don't want to delve into it's like, really weird like i and and i know there must be some okay but i just i haven't met them which to me doesn't mean everybody's this way i just want to say that but it means that i think more more than i thought were this way like usually have you noticed like you, you go to a con you see somebody cosplaying almost always unless you're like a creeper you know unless it's like a, a hot chick and you're a creeper or something um i i they're almost always friendly. Like if you go talk to them, they're like, they're excited about what they're doing. They're cosplaying because they love the character. They know something about them. They're always they're happy really to talk to they're them. They're passionate about it. Exactly. That's what I mean. You yeah. know, whereas I have run into like, no, uh, I have too. I know what you're saying. I've run into four sets of ghostbusters so far at smaller conventions, even like, acted I'm not, like they were better than everybody who else. They've always been very over the top, like very organized, like they have a large thing or some some shtick that goes along with it. They do the shtick. They don't want to talk to you. They just want 
you know, they wanted, to be, they wanted to be treated like heroes. Uh, I've right. seen a number of these guys right. too. Yeah. Yeah. And I was fascinated with that because it's so rare. You know, I mean, like I used to think everybody would be like, I expected everybody in cosplay to be like Generally that. Generally they are. And then I learned that most people in cosplay were not. Yeah, they would well, talk the, to me. Oh, I thought you said. Uh, no, no, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I meant it the other way. Like I, yeah. when I first... When I first saw people cosplaying, I thought, oh, my God, they're going to be like... No, they're super awesome. They're super no, friendly. They're, like doing it. they're not doing it for the show, for me. They're doing it because they like it, because it's fun. Yeah. You and know? when you engage them in conversation, they will tell you anything you want to know about what they are cosplaying and why and, Another and how they made their costume. that I did not know you could do that I learned, and I'm sorry to like spew about this, but I was just fascinated. I wonder if other people are new to it and don't know. You know, it is completely acceptable in most cases to come up to somebody who is cosplaying a real cool characters, put a lot of work into it, and say, that is super badass. I don't know who that is. Tell me. No, it happens. And they will tell you, oh, it's so-and-so from this show. You got to check it that. out, you know? And, oh, oh, yeah, it's like yeah, this. Like, instead of that, assuming you know, that they'd yeah. be like offended that you didn't know. Yeah, or, that they or put you're all like, well, in. I'm not part of the group because I don't know. It's like they're a big freaking fan. You no, know, if you go talk yeah, to them, they'll yeah. tell you Generally, about they're it. super inclusive. Yeah. I mean, well, they, you know, they want to tell anybody yeah. about it. I think that that issue with the Ghostbusters thing, you know... It's unfortunate because it shouldn't reflect badly at all on the Ghostbusters or the franchise or, or people who want to cosplay as Ghostbusters sincerely, you mm, know. Mm. But yeah, I, I'm with Definitely. you. I think that you know when you get groups of people who want to kind of like you know slum or whatever and go to the the local con and be cool and and not talk to anybody and just kind of you know I don't know. Yeah, it seems like those four if we can get four you know four dudes in a kind of similar uniform and. Yeah, I I was I can't remember who it was, but it was like uh, uh, it was on some TV show or something or something, uh, maybe a podcast or somewhere. And I never thought about this, but I heard him say they were talking about somebody who cosplayed and they said, oh, well, I would have thought it would have been more like, you know, this or a Ghostbuster. And I, I thought about it. And I'm like, holy crap, everyone I've met. And it's not a lot. It's only like four or five, you know, groups of them. Everyone has been that way. It's been like the jock cosplay. Like you said, the people who want to crash the con instead of attend it. I wouldn't say jock. I'd say frat boy. Yeah, better. And that's probably exaggeration too. But I mean, like like you hit the nail on the head, Audrey. It's people uh, who, or maybe it's you, I forget who said it. One of you said it. it was like, they want to crash it. They don't, they're not there to participate. They're there to crash it, you know? And I'm like, anyway, I was fascinated by that. I never thought about it. <laughs> and if you ever pick the wrong group of people to try and bully, it's a bunch of geeks. I mean, at like, a con. Wow. At yeah. a con. Yeah. <laughs> you are now in their place of power, sirs. <laughs> try that at Comic-Con. People don't. <laughs> Most people are scared of Comic-Con. They run their... You will get trampled to death. Yeah, you're not going to find any... You're not going to find, like, hipsters and, and ironic cosplayers at Comic-Con. Yeah, Norm cons sweet. are like the geth, yeah. man. They're, they they geth that stuff together and... <laughs> become not only smarter so they're, they're interconnected and they're powerful so you don't you don't want to screw with a bunch of geeks at a con That's and even crazy even crazier if uh at comic-con if the uh if the geeks don't if you're if you're an, a norm and you're into it you're good but yeah. if you're a norm and you're mean and you want to like mess with people oh, yeah, there's no tolerance not only would, <laughs> if the geeks don't get you all the companies with billions of dollars wanting to sell them crap will 
Do not <laughs> frack with our geeks. You just need to go. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> we'll walk you to your car. Bye-bye. It is kind of yeah. cool. I mean, it, it is. There's, a, there's a certain coolness about a GWC meetup that a lot of people are aware of, you know, where you kind of, you share inside jokes or somebody will say something and another person across oh, the yeah. room will respond and everyone will. But you get a little bit of that too at Comic-Con. I mean, it's not as you know tight a group obviously you got like that tens of thousands of people but there are lots of cases at comic-con where you'll be standing around a big group and people will you know people will make jokes with strangers or, or someone will shout something out and someone else will answer and you know you'll you'll get a lot of that kind of giddiness because people are suddenly surrounded by all kinds of people who love similar things that they do yeah great great explanation of that little little you know, you'll hear as often, you'll hear almost as often stories of like a uh, a star, somebody you would know from a program or something, being excited about meeting someone in badass cosplay that just thrilled them or something, as you are people who are their fans meeting them. Yeah. That's, that's San Diego Comic-Con, <laughs> you know? And cons and... and- in general, actually, are, are a lot like that. I mean, oh yeah, San Diego is obviously one of the the best ones. The Tokyo Phoenix uh, was really cool too. Yeah, the Tokyo show is as fanatical, just different. There's just more cosplaying. You know, there there are different. I mean, you got Dragon Con down south. You got. I mean, there's there's all kinds of different shapes and styles to those things that make the connections a different way. But it doesn't really matter. You're still making the connection. And they get just as fanatical and just as friendly and just as fiercely loyal to all of them that you it is real tough to go and crash one of those uh, from a bunch of people who are of like mind having a great time and <laughs> smarter than you speaking. You know, there's a, a sweet picture that I found online of this chick who cosplayed um, Liara. And oh, yeah. she looks awesome. Awesome. I mean, she looks exactly like, you know, the like Liara stepped that. off the screen. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I have a Pinterest page now and I pinned it there. Nice. It's <laughs> Pinterest.com slash GWC Audra if you're interested. <laughs> it's a small should, it's, it's a small collection, but you should check it out. She has some cool stuff. Yeah, I have a little geek folder and half the stuff in there is just, you know, stolen from George Decay. But there are some cool <laughs> there are some cool things. So Well if you're gonna steal, that's a good place to start. <laughs> Actually the best thing to check out on Audra's Pinterest page are is the things to make you happy when you're sad page. Lots which of is, cats. It's called it uh, cute cute kids or cute animals and kids. <laughs> and it's pictures of all these babies sleeping with dogs. You know how and, like you watch the video of the baby laughing and you and, just can't be sad anymore? It's yeah. like that except pictures. Yeah, I have that at my house. It's, it, <laughs> it's I have awesome. Bolo and Squeak doing Aww. doing cool things. Well, Squeaks discovered the drums recently. Oh, she's so awesome. It's loud. Okay, that was seriously badass. Yeah, it's it, she's she's amazing. She's can Her I like, can I tell? Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. She saw she went with her mom and saw the Bangles in concert at a, at a fireworks show. It was her first live show. She gets home and they're watching a, a DVD of the Bangles playing on stage somewhere. And while she's watching the DVD, she gets out a chair and a little like plastic bucket and, and situates herself with the stick and makes herself a little drum kit and starts on like banging own. on it, looks at the TV, looks back at the drum kit, you know, start. Yeah. 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 She she went and found the Guitar Hero guitars and start and figured out how to strap it on herself. And then and then she went and found her mom's real guitar. 
You're like, oh, um, no, but guess what happens? So she puts it on her lap, and she Shannon keeps the strings unstrung so that they, they don't stretch out. So she plays it, and it's like, boop. She, she's like, that's not right. So she starts tuning it. She reaches up she and starts, starts tuning the, it. Yeah, grabs the pegs and starts tightening the strings boom, until they sound boom, good boom, to her. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> that's better. <you> know? <laughs> she starts playing it, so I'm like, ah! Your two-year-old is cooler than all of us combined. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, I can say that, but I'm kind of biased, so yeah. It but. is true. Well, I agree. <laughs> all right. Next up is uh, the segment that I recorded with Sean, actually, a little bit later in the day, uh, where we talk about uh, our experiences gaming and explain some of the not-so-pretty details behind the funny stories that we've told about fighting over games and that sort of thing. I hope you enjoy. So Sean and I are sitting here and we were talking about uh, our sort of history with tabletop games. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's not exactly what you'd call a a splendiferous and glittering tale. Uh, to be to be honest, we're uh, both of us are somewhat competitive. Yeah, we discovered it the hard way. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, I it was guess a couple years back. Oh, what two thousand six, two thousand seven? Back like when that. we had all that time. You yeah, know? I mean, we had super free time at the time, and we didn't even know how how easy we had it. Then. No, we thought we were busy. We oh yeah, no, no we weren't even close to busy, and. <laughs> <laughs> And so we we engaged in tabletop games uh, from from time to time. Now I've been playing tabletop games with my brother all my life, yeah. and it's and you guys are competitive, but you have kind of a thing worked out over the years. Yeah, you know, with your family had, gaming and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it got to the point where uh, all tabletop board games or anything like that had to be supervised by either my mother or my father and my father, it's sort of like getting a, a drunk to guard the whiskey. You know, he was, just as, <laughs> he's, he's just as bad as the rest of us, you know? Yeah. But like you said, I mean, I played games and seen games played at, like at Christmas time. Oh, it's much better now. And everything. Yeah. We have yeah, limits and this, rules. Yeah. And, you got this whole system worked out over the years, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, and what's funny is, is that, and we can get into this later, but like, uh, you know, even injecting like me into it will change that. I discovered because I would. Well, anyway, so we we used to have these little game nights, and uh, I'm trying to remember the first one. I think I think it might have was it the Star Wars Risk one we no, always talked about. The first one we had was Settlers of Catan. Ah, uh, yeah, that's where you, I started me, the manipulation. The our social. friend Jr. and uh, I think my sister Megan. Yeah, and uh, uh, this is before any of us had kids. And uh, hmm. we had, you know, we were learning to play the game, and and I am somewhat competitive, and Chuck. Well, okay, well, I'm wildly competitive, and so is Chuck. So uh, we're in there, and of course, uh, Megan and Jr. are just happy to be playing. They're games. just playing games, yeah, yeah uh, which you know, is great. Like sane people, yeah, you know, like <laughs> yeah, like sane people. It's because you are sane. Uh, so why can't I hear the shoe talking? That's because you are sane. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. But. So it starts off and and we do okay and then Chuck didn't understand part of the rules so he made everybody back up three turns 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Chuck's like, oh, yeah. Uh, that was really dickish. <laughs> Is that okay? Is that okay? I'm like, no, it's not okay. You're an ass. You know, and it's like, but I didn't understand. You know, so made everybody back up three turns. So I started playing close to the vest, and, and uh, we started, you know, doing all kinds of, of – I, I started playing games and, and not, like, showing people my cards and not showing this and that and everything like that. And uh, so that so Chuck started the the uh, since since he was uh, annoyed that I was uh, being subversive started the I just would like to point out to everyone actually I well okay I gotta <laughs> I, I gotta admit this this is this is kind of sad but I'm gonna admit it anyway I mean screw it if I can't admit it to GWC or who the <laughs> hell can I admit it to right <laughs> I uh, uh, you know since I kind of quit drinking. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I kind of found myself thinking more <laughs> about some things like, uh, like the way I act in situations like that and why and so on. And, uh, I think I understand, I wouldn't say I understand myself, but I understand more, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think back then I kind of felt like we were competing and the gloves were off and blah, 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 for whatever stupid reason, you know, I just got it in my head that, that it was about winning and not about having the fun playing, you know? And, and I did things that were legal, you know, and, and, and technically, you know, yeah. uh, The worst in this case, kind of right. You know, they, they, they were legal, but like, for example, social engineering, you know, I thought, I can social okay, so I'm screwed on the board, but I could social engineer this, you know, and and I was right. I could, I could by convincing others in the game that uh, that you were winning, I could get them to play against you, which would both hurt them and you, and give me a better chance of winning. Yeah. So the entire game, you know, Chuck would would engineer this thing, and of course, I wound up losing. It worked. Not I by mean, much, but I wound up losing. I'm know? not saying that it, it wasn't effective. It was. Yeah. I mean... The social engineering in, a, in an environment like that is very effective, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. it does work. Technically effective. It is also extremely dick effective. <laughs> yeah, it's also a dick move, and it's extremely effective at uh, at killing the environment, taking the fun out of the game. And killing the game night effectively yeah. over time. Yeah. You know? Uh, which it, uh, in the it end, did. did. It, yeah. it extended to, as well, to uh, uh, to the Star Wars Risk that we've told, told the story of a oh, hundred times. Yeah, that one didn't go well. Um, uh, in that case, I actually convinced, uh, it was, was it me and Megan on a team? It was, it was you and... Uh, me and Megan and you, you and Audra. And, you and Megan and me and Audra, yeah. And uh, I... I you convinced Audra you lulled Audra, Audra into a false sense of security. <laughs> I convinced Audra, yeah <laughs> that the, she needed to play badly. Audra that she and you you and she were winning actually, and that she should do this move, make this move to avoid you know just right crushing us. And, and it was it all came down to that. And it's like if Audra did the thing I wanted her to do because we were on a team, but it's it's it, you're in four players. So if I if she did yeah. the thing I wanted her to do, we'd have won. But yeah. if she did the thing Chuck wanted her to do, we lost. And Chuck managed to convince her to do that. Yeah. And I'm screaming. I'm like, no, don't let's he's not helping you. You know. And that was the nail in the coffin on on game night. That was yeah, that's the last enough, time we played. That was the last game night we had. Yeah. And uh and and as funny as it is telling the story 
because it's so damn stupid. It's just it is funny, you know. A lot of a lot of funny comes from dark places, and oh yeah, as funny as that is, I got to tell you, I mean, it's not. I'm I'm ashamed to admit that I, I was a dick about it, and uh, and it killed something that was fun, and I am just now kind of realizing that that gaming can be fun again you know yeah it's it's okay and coincidentally when you when you engage in that kind of win at all costs things it costs you players too yeah Uh, and people talk about that you know like they they make fun of that in darkness rising you know apparently we have sort of a reputation you know right they do don't they yeah they're like we made a 10 year old cry well he deserved it you know (laughs) And you really and witness the rule stickler and the other things that yeah. I didn't do, but other people do and can kill their. Yeah, stuff, I mean, there's you know? just as many things that you can do. I mean, we didn't do all of those, but there's a lot of things that can ruin a gaming experience. You know, the rule stickler is one of my favorites because technically you can a lot of times you can beat that person into submission with, you know, if everybody else is like enjoying the game, the rule stickler will eventually conform. At least a lot of the time, uh, but there are other things that just kind of. And it, if he doesn't, you know, he just probably quits playing because he can't stand people not sticking to the rules, right? You know? Right. Uh, so you, either way, you win. Uh, but there's a, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but there's a lot of things like that, and it can cost you a good time. It really can. And like uh, with my family. Uh, we are all alpha males. We have been since we were able to speak. Uh, we all are very competitive, but we all like to play games. And uh, the biggest one that we would play that we have a, a rolling tradition with, and Chuck has, has even uh, played with us. You're talking about Monopoly. We do. Yeah. Uh, we play a Monopoly game every Thanksgiving and every Christmas Yeah, uh, with anybody who wants to play. Hell yeah. Uh, however, we do have certain rules which we enforce. I actually like these rules. Uh, so it was. It worked out so that um, anybody can play. Uh, my brother cannot be the banker because uh, he embezzles. <laughs> he just—it's like he can't help it. He just does. It, just to see what he can get away I, with. I respect that. Yeah. And I, uh, the same person who holds the bank cannot hold the houses. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Because uh, when you make change for yourself to buy houses, it's really easy to cheat. So, because yeah. I do that. And so I normally hold the houses and somebody else holds the cards. And if we have enough players, somebody else is the bank. So we separate, you know, retail from economy from, from housing. <laughs> it has to be separate departments, you know. You know, you know I, I got to tell the story in the middle of that because it's totally that same kind of thing. I think I told this story once before, but it was at least a couple hundred podcasts ago. So I can't imagine that anybody remembers, remembers at this point. Um, but. When I was in high school, we had an I had an economics teacher who was really lazy in hindsight and decided, oh, I'll just blow a couple of weeks letting them play a Monopoly. Right. You know, and they'll learn about economy through Monopoly, which is true. I mean, is you this do. the inflation story? It is. Awesome. It is. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so we were playing in this big group and they had these uh, little teams of two and then some other people that advised them. And he had this whole system in place, blah, blah, blah. And uh, and then I think we wrote something about it later to make it seem okay to the brass should they come in and check it out, you know, <laughs> and find us playing Monopoly for two weeks in a row while he dicked off. Um, but, and that was even pre-internet where he wasn't even dicking around on the internet back then. 
I'm just taking a nap. Yeah. So we <laughs> pretty much. So we decided uh, uh, that we we were playing and we were kind of not doing well. And we thought, you know, what we need is more money. And we're looking at this little paper money thinking we ought to be able to make this, you know? So we slipped some out of each denomination and everything. And then, uh, uh, you know, this is pre Photoshop as well. And sure. So we started fig- playing with it. And finally, uh, you know, my mother was a teacher, so I went in the library and used the copier, and I made up a, a plate, you know, which was like a, a sheet <laughs> of... Enough lean engraving plate. Yeah. Are the, the tins are yellow, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we made tins. And uh, the, uh, the problem I had was paper. Like, I couldn't get paper that was exactly the same color. It was really close, but it wasn't perfect. And I was like, damn, people might know. Uh, and they, collect all the tens. <laughs> that's exactly what I did. They had this new, uh, I got, I, this reminds me too, though, cause you would, you would appreciate it. Nobody else probably will, but you will. They, they had that, uh, early like mimeograph photocopier. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, sure. It was like the crossover where yeah. it had the, the, it was drum, but it wasn't, uh, but it wasn't the same liquid and it didn't make purple copies. Right. Uh, anyway, they had one of those and you weren't supposed to use it for more than less than like 20 copies or something because it cost too much to make the little doohickey for. Right. So I made a plate on it with the thing. And then I ran like, I can't remember, like a million dollars in tens or something on this yellow paper and uh, uh, cut them all and everything. And me and my buddy did it uh, secretly and it was awesome. Um, and then, yeah, our solution was is we'll start collecting tens. And then swapping them out, and over the course of a day, Your we money swapped is out all of laundered. them. That's right, we <laughs> laundered the money. So we had all that we actually did. I, I read about laundering, and we tried running some of them in the in the dryer, but it it's not like real money. It's not durable enough, so it just screwed it all up. Well, real so. money's linen, right? It, yeah, it was a mess. It didn't work out. We finally ended up uh, putting all the papers in a box and dragging it behind a bicycle. Nice. Uh, which actually worked out really well. It made them kind of look used and everything. It was great. Uh, we had to ride quite a bit, but worked out. Sure. Anyway, uh, we swapped them all out. Long story short, uh, it was great. And then we learned a really big lesson on inflation because we started buying every damn thing in the game uh, and put a lot of money into the game and then went, oh, crap, when when the prices for things started just going out the roof and everything. And uh, then we actually realized that we could do better if we pulled money out of the game since there were so many tens in circulation now. So we started stealing tens and taking them out of circulation. And then we actually made a little chart with how many tens were in circulation and prices and things and figured out the best way to like kick everybody's ass by like controlling the money flow and everything. And uh, we finally got toward the end of the game where we were winning heavily and we were, we decided to just, uh, uh, put the cards on the table and it, we had this thing where you, we did the rule where you're allowed to, uh, you're allowed to negotiate, you mm-hmm. know, to sell things, you know? And, uh, at one point we we're like, we'll give you a thousand for this. And they're like, no, and we're like, well, how about 5,000? The guy's like, no, I'm not going to sell it to you for any price. So finally we're like any price, you know? And I had put all the bills because it was just funny as hell in a suitcase. I had this <laughs> about brief, a million. <laughs> I was a debater. So I had this brief, I had this attache case. Yeah. So I had a, I had a million and in, in change in a, in a attache case. I'm like, how about a million? You know, and I open it up and people are like, and then it dawns on them. They've been you know, had. And then all hell broke loose. It was pandemonium in the classroom. <laughs> like everybody just freaked out because their grades depended on this. And uh, and we had been kicking their ass. And and the the teacher, somebody went and got him because he was down in, you know, in the 
in the lounge. Probably he was out smoking a joint in the parking lot or something. Probably. <laughs> but yeah, he came back in and he was like, he, in hindsight, I realized he was entertained. Yeah. You know, and he was like, huh, you know, and, uh, he asked us about it and he, you know, and, and we told him what we, he's like, tell me exactly what you did. And I'm like, okay, fine. You know, and we told him about the thing and we showed him the charts and everything. <laughs> and he's like, him, well, this is an A. It's <laughs> like, huh? Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, you get like uh, four days of detention and you, uh, I get all the money and you have to, uh, you have to write an extra paper on this and, uh, we'll call it good. And I'm like, okay. And, uh, he used them as hall passes for years. He would give you hall passes <laughs> on, <laughs> on tents, <laughs> monopoly tents. It was awesome for like, uh, you know, uh, nice. anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt your story though, because you guys have, not only do you have your little family roles, but you also have a badass way of making the game a hell of a lot shorter. Oh yeah. No, no, no. Uh, after you go through, uh, you know, everybody goes around the board a couple times. Uh, they, you know, we, we hated the point where like property was left open and some property had hotels on it and one right next to it had nothing. And you had to spend five hours trying to get all this stuff done. No. Uh, so what we do is we go around a couple of times and when there's around, I don't know, five to seven properties left, we stop the game. Whoever's there holds the dice before they roll and we have an auction. Everybody bids on the stuff and gets all the stuff. And then we have trade day, which everybody makes whatever monopoly trades with cash and money and whatever you got uh, with it so that everybody does that. And then we have building. Uh, so you take whatever cash you have left, build on your monopolies, and then whoever held the dice before the, the auction rolls. And it is a completely different board. So, oh, yeah. You also give out more money at the start. Yeah, right. uh, everybody gets more money because we know the auction's coming. Uh -huh. So instead of the normal thing, we have a double money game where we just give everybody five five hundreds, five one hundreds, five of everything, and you can. Uh, we don't even do ones generally speaking. So we right. give you like two fives for how many ever ones you're supposed to have, uh, and then do which some extra also encourages because I thought this was crazy the first time you did, but then I played it, I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a variant. You know, you could do either, but. Uh, it also encourages people to buy more at the beginning before yeah. that you yeah, get don't down to save. the five properties. Don't yeah. save because you're going to – There's going to be plenty of cash. There's going to be auction and trading. Yeah, you're going to have plenty of cash. Plus, uh, we also say um, uh, free parking is $500. Uh, landing on goes $400. Uh, passing on goes 2 is normal. And uh, anytime uh, afterwards – uh, if somebody hits free parking, you get 500, but, uh, also when the, how there's a housing or hotel shortage, you get another 500 put on free parking. And if there's an outage of either one, there's another 500 put on free parking. So you have the potential, uh, late in the game of hitting two grand if you hit free parking, which helps. And you can blow hotels up and, and, you know, in one shot, you know, here's two grand, give me hotels on that. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, I was fascinated by how little it changes the late game play. Yeah. It like actually speeds up. Yeah, it just accelerates it. Yeah, the whole beginning of the game. Like if you'd normally have a five or six hour game and th I don't know, four hours of it would be spent getting to the point where you have this two hour end game where lots of crap happens and it's all play related and everything. You know, essentially this just like turns that first like four hours into 30 minutes. Yeah. And doesn't affect the last two hours much, which is an awesome variant of the game. Which is kind of the point. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh, God, we don't want to play. This is so boring. Yeah. This, this. No, we don't do that. Also, uh, uh, 
you know, you can buy your way out of jail for 50 bucks at any, at any time nice. you, if you want. Like at the beginning of the game, you always buy yourself out. At the end of the game, you leave yourself in, which is normal. Because uh, you're going to win on And that. you can yeah. still collect uh, all that stuff. Also, um, what is it? Uh, income tax space. It's free space. So is uh, the one in between Boardwalk and Park Place. I think. Oh, right. Luxury yeah. tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also free space. Um, all that. So we just encourage you to move around the board as fast as you possibly can. So you hit stuff. So, yeah, it does. It takes a five, six-hour game, turns it into about two and a half hours. They should publish that with the game. <laughs> like, as not, seriously. I mean, I'm not saying to replace the normal rules because, I mean, the six-hour game could be fun, too, if, like, you're in one of those places where, like, for example, sometimes on a holiday where you just – it's really an excuse to dick off for six hours and hang out together. Right. But if you're like, man, I want to play this tonight and maybe I want to play some other games with game night or – uh, we don't have time for a six-hour game, but I want to play Monopoly because it's fun. Yeah. It works. And you can get eight or nine people playing this sucker, and it works out good. Plus, once you're... Uh, and, and the reason he originally started, my, my dad, who was brilliant at this, he's actually very good at playing games. Uh, the reason he thought of it in the first place is because sometimes uh, playing the regular way, you play for three hours and maybe not even have uh, Monopoly. Or, right. or and oh, get yeah. bumped out the game, you know. I mean, you follow you, you bump right out, and it sucked. You didn't like playing because you didn't get to you didn't get to build any houses. You didn't get to have a, a good monopoly. You know, what we call it a, a a color monopoly. You know, where you have one not just railroads or utilities. Or <laughs> right, right. You know, it was uh, it was one of those deals. And uh, also, when you die to a player, you don't have to mortgage all your crap. You just have to take the houses off of it, take half the value, and you can hand the cash, the property, all that stuff to the player you died to. So you don't have to go through the the process of here's the money from mortgaging it, and then you got to unmortgage. No, we don't do any of that. Just <laughs> here, you died. You know, knock the houses off, give half the cash uh, to the player, and then you know, put all your stuff. We also can uh, trade. Uh, I don't know if this is in part of the game or not, but we also trade property in lieu of rent. So if like you hit a hotel on a green and the other dude will take two railroads for it, that's you're clean. You know, when move on, you know, <laughs> you know uh, time is always an issue with some games. Like look, I have this game, samurai swords. Oh my God. I have never completed a game of that. I know. I've only completed one game of it in my whole life. Uh, it is very, very long. I wonder if there's ways to speed that up, though. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I gotta, I gotta tell you, like, um, my my friend Matt Summers. I think you met him once. Once, yeah, a long time ago. We actually called the. Uh, he helped us so much when we moved. We had so much crap to move, and he helped carry like all those boxes of books to the library. He helped carry up and everything. Yeah. We offered to name a section of the house for him. Nice. And uh, he chose the Did that with JR too, overbridge. Yeah, <laughs> the oh, the bridge. Yeah, the, it's the it's the Matt Summers bridge <laughs> memorials guy bridge. Yeah, it is. So, JR got a bathroom, didn't he? he did. He did. <laughs> there was a um, but but who is yeah. by the way a fantastic game player? I don't know. If oh you've yeah, ever, no, he's most definitely fantastic at, at Indeed. board games. It's because he's so relaxed in the way. Yeah, yeah. he's just happy to be playing. Hell yeah. And and you know he says hi by the way nice I say hi back for me yeah he's a good dude the uh, I, I Matt Summers a long time back was like uh, came over to my old old apartment uh, the one I used to have in Addison and he was like you know um, 
I want to play this game and we never have time to play it. And I just want to hang out and drink beer. And, and, uh, I got these buddies, you, you know, that you should meet and everything. So I want to bring this game over and we'll play it. I'm like, okay. So we actually set up and this is before we put the food, Audra, this is before I knew Audra. And we, uh, we put the foosball table in the middle of the room. Nice. But, uh, we, we put a, uh, this folding table I used to have, we, we put it in the middle of the living room and we set the board up on it and everything. It's huge. Right. And we all like got there at like 10 in the morning and we played until probably six or seven at night. Oh, wow. And That's a lot of foosball, dude. No, no, not foosball. I'm sorry. This is the, uh, this oh, is samurai the, swords. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh later, yeah. Audra and I put the foosball table in the middle of it. Cause oh. I knew you knew that story, <laughs> yeah. but like, uh, this is in that same place. Oh, but wow. We set up in the middle where the foosball table was later. And, uh, and literally, so we would sit on the couch, uh, or, or like go in the other rooms to negotiate and stuff. And, I don't know, man. Uh, they we we we. I drank back then. We we drank all day and we like argued and fought and like played the game and like uh, I guess we were younger and we could do that. But we we had this incredible <laughs> experience. And I looked forever to find the game because I wanted to own a copy of it. You know, and I finally paid like sixty or eighty bucks for it. I found it. Yeah, retail. Yeah, <laughs> retail plus. But I found it. Yeah. You know. And uh, no, it's expensive. It has like a billion parts in it. I mean, it is very complex. I did not understand what was going on the first and and only one of two times I played it, and it was very confusing. And we I, tried, I mean, and we got like five moves in and quit. Yeah, I mean, you it know? just it couldn't hold your attention. Yeah, you know? I don't know that it ever could anymore. Yeah, maybe uh, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of games that are like that that are worth it to play, and if you have a good group, any game is negotiable. Any game, you can get through any game if you have the right group who who are into it and are just there to hang out and play and, and that kind of thing. If any one of them is distracted or doesn't want to do it, it's not going to work. You know, for long, you're, like, you're super right. long yeah. games like that. Yeah. Because uh, if you have people who are just like, yeah, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll play that, you know, and are, and are good, uh, that's not a problem. See, it's kind of like a... a a risk style game with capture territory and the same kind of rules, but there are far more rules, far more components to the game. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, secrecy and yeah. strategy and backstabbing. And, and there's a built in kind of like, I'm know, trying to alliances remember, type thing. Kind of like uh, if, if you could imagine a little bit of the, of the sort of werewolf sort of thing where, where, the backstabbing is a fun part of the game. It's not yeah. supposed to be. And that was, it's integrated into the game. You're supposed to do that. If you don't, it's not fun, you know, and, uh, all put together in this one game, probably perfect for us back then, just too damn long. And, and we didn't know the rules well enough to be able to simplify them. Yeah. So, and see, that's the thing, you know, when you, when you know a game well enough that you create shortcut rules that make the gameplay better, for your situation. Yeah, yeah, for your situation, then it becomes a, a royally fun game. You know, uh, there's there's a lot of that. Like, uh, you know, and and you get stuff that goes along with it. You know, like we have uh, Monopoly memes that we still, we made an O'Haraopoly uh, for my father back in the day. Or, well, I guess a couple years ago, me, my, my sister Megan and, and Shannon and my brother uh, all sat down and created names for all the different places and stuff and and ways to play the game that in, you know uh, incorporated our rules and some of the fun stuff that we do uh, like Shannon Shannon is like this but she she never lets you see in monopoly how much cash she has so she always puts it down in her lap Gucci money yeah my brother called it the snatch dash yeah uh, and and Shannon has always been like that so we put that on the O'Hara board you know 
instead of free parking, it's the snatch stash and and stuff like that. I mean, and it integrates in the game and it makes it better. Uh, we we play it every year now uh, on my father's birthday. We play O'Haraopoli because it's a big per- uh, picture of him. I photoshopped a big uh, line drawing <laughs> of him, like ah, you know, doing the big Monopoly guy pose. Uh, in the middle of the board and we made our own chance and in community chess cards uh, some of which require you to do physical things like go get me dr pepper you know that's awesome (laughs) i love the way you know i mean now you can order monopoly games however you want and i know you ordered a copy after you'd already made one you later ordered a copy it was kind of officially yeah but you know what kills me is like most people use it as a way to just like either buy the one for their alma mater or like just put names on things. I like the way you guys like actually made the game funny and personal. Like it yeah. wasn't a, just about the names of things. It was about like, like you said, like get me a Dr. Pepper or something, you know, it was funny, funny crap. Yeah. There's uh one of them was entirely named for my mother's Aussies. You know, the, awesome. the, the railroads were the names of each of the dogs, you know, <laughs> so it was like Flynn Railroad and Kira Railroad and all that kind of thing. So there were there was that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, my my brother has just a wicked burning need to have the light blues in every game of Monopoly. He will trade everything away to get the damn light blues. It's dangerous. Uh yeah oh yeah and he loses almost every time but he he wants the light blues that's what he wants yeah but in his mind he wins yeah, yeah exactly in his mind he's had cool the light blues he beat you that's yeah. a goal that you could totally achieve that is attainable <laughs> sir you know so you can trade him a green for a light blue and it's it's perfectly acceptable so yeah there's there's those kind of things uh we purposely took income tax and and everything and, and made them because screw that yeah because them irs on my board doing that bs you know? uh, i think we have a chance card that takes all the houses and trades them to the person on your left i mean <laughs> yeah that's chance yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've been screwed you just hope you don't get it in the late part of the game so I mean, we do- by the fickle finger of fate yeah <laughs> Uh, you know, we have, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff like that and it works out okay. But if you, if you can change the game enough where, you know, it's acceptable and, uh, and it, when, when, uh, you know, uh, new players or people who are not family have been playing this for the, with the family for 10 years now come over, we play standard, standard auction rules is what we call it, you know? And, and, uh, it, but there's all kinds of games like that. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. And uh, any real estate game, other than Risk, because Risk is a little different. That's more of a, <laughs> a war strategy game. But any real estate game, you know, the Solar Quest stuff, the Monopoly stuff, any any of that, we'll, we'll have stuff like that. And it's great to play with, with a lot of people. But the, the other ones are, are like classic board games at our family. And uh, those are take on a very different feel because the rules don't change and stuff. Uh, like my dad always used to like play to play chess with us and we got older and I mean, my brother was a chess, he was in chess club. He, <laughs> he won several tournaments and everything like that. And both of us now are better than our father because he tries to play head games with chess, which you can't do because it's only it's pieces on the board. You know, yeah. there's only one way you can play chess and it's, like that and chess is sort of famous for being the one game that really incorporates no chance at all none now the the, thing, the way you play now my favorite 
thing is to play because it's not really fun to beat my father at chess. So he started. I wouldn't agree with that. Well, you know, it only, I played your father once and beat him, and I really had fun with it. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it was, doing it. I was kind of. I have to admit, mainly because uh, it was one of those situations rare for me at the time. Not not as bad now, but at the time, it was very my birthday rare, wasn't it? Where uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, we were which at my made place. it even cooler. Playing on the chess set, he he got me that year. So the thing is, is that if there's a person that's maybe more competitive at games and more concerned with winning than either Sean or I, even then, yeah, it would be my father, Sean's father, and um, <laughs> I had not played in quite a while, and everybody he was. Literally providing advice to everyone there. He was very serious. He just had to win. And uh, um, and Sean had kind of told me aside. He's like, oh, yeah, he just, man, he has to, he has to win. And you he's know, not terribly he's good at it. To, <laughs> and I'm like, huh, okay. And I'm like, well, I haven't played in a long time. And I really wasn't setting him up. I hadn't, you know, because I actually, being at that time, a person who had real problems and issues with winning and everything, had to win for dumb reasons. I Anyway, um, I didn't play chess much because it was demoralizing when I lost. And I could handle it, but it affected me internally in a way that was not healthy and stupid. Uh, so he's like, well, we should play. And I'm like, all right. And he gives me advice the whole time. You should do that. I don't understand why. And the funny thing is, is I'm not really, I'm not good at chess. I the guy who taught me uh, was this friend of mine named Michael Ayers, of all things. I don't know whether he, how he is now, but uh, he used to. I used to hang out with him when I worked at the radio station in in uh, in KY one hundred three point six. I was an overnight board op, and I would get off at uh, six in the morning, and I would get Taco Bell and go over to Michael Ayers' little place. He lived in the side of somebody's house. I'm not kidding. They had like a one thirty six and a half or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he had this little like lean to on the side of this dude's house he lived in. I'd go over there and we would play uh, trade wars on on bulletin boards and eat Taco Bell and crap. Anyway, Mike Warriors taught me to play chess and uh, he was actually pretty good. And he he really just said, you know, what you need to do is focus on uh, opening the center, you know, own, you know, controlling the center of the board as much as possible. And most importantly, more than anything else, try to maximize your options in the opening. Like just in, and even into the begin early middle game, just try to place your pieces where you have the most control over. You have the most options to do things with them. And, uh, and he's right. Like 90% of what people do is are make moves that seem like some big strategy, but really just close off options until they don't have very many and it's not good and they lose, you know, and just by not doing that, you don't even have to necessarily be good or they'll, they'll win in a lot of their entire strategy upon circling or, or moving one piece forward. That is going to be their power structure. And then you just sacrifice and take it and they're screwed. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I had, I had Michael Ayers strategy of keep the pieces open and try to control the middle of the board reasonably. And I read Bobby Fisher teaches chess, you know, I'm by read, I mean played cause you know, it's the book. Yeah. One of those awesome books that people laugh at you for reading upside down, not realizing that it's printed that way. So you read it one way and then you turn it over and read it the other way so that the solutions are hidden mm-hmm. bastards. Uh, anyway, you could always tell the people that didn't laugh had read it. 
mm-hmm. and knew what was going on. But I, so anyway, I sat down and I literally just did that. I did my normal, you know, play a really boring, stupid opening that just keeps the middle open and doesn't do anything dumb. And your dad pushed a strategy that that depended on a lot of things happening that was very easy to make not happen because I had options. And uh, and we played to, I think, if I remember correctly, and this is awful, we played to an end game that was very long and drawn out and torturous because I was really not good at end game. <laughs> and I couldn't push it to the win. But because I was so good at the basic strategy, I could I could just outlast him until it was easy. Yeah, which is what I did, and he was really mad by the end of it, which was really entertaining. <laughs> he you were screwing with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I wasn't, but but I, I probably would have at the time. It was fun. <laughs> anyway, that's bad, but yeah. So we sorry to no 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 no. That's it was. It's always fun to be Buana, but there's <laughs> really is. But there's also you know the thing where uh, later on uh, I started to have a love of uh, different chess types of chess like uh i guess in the late 90s they came out with that three an actual replica 3d chess board with the you know that rotates and moves and stuff like that and uh i played that uh i love three-player chess you know mm, where they have the, the interesting you know the the weird board and, and four-player chess is even better uh, where they have it's, it's like it's a, a freaking tesseract, yeah, and it's and you go down in there and everybody's playing against everybody and and you know standard rules it's just out the window at that yeah, point yeah. i mean you don't i mean there's no straight you can't keep it all in your head that much so you have to control parts of the board and then you know if you're going to move into somebody's territory take all of them that way otherwise everybody's going to take your stuff you know because you can't leave it nice. undefended and the board's too long at that point i mean so there's all kinds of stuff so you just pick a strategy and go with it. i love unconventional chess you know uh or or sort of like sheldon does where uh you know they invent new stuff you know they put a new piece on the board you know the witch you know (laughs) just like just like on that big bang theory episode though the thing about chess is that there are actually fatal flaws with every variant of chess Mm -hmm. it's sort of like uh you ever notice that it's sort of like baseball in a way like baseball is really and i'm not really a sports guy but i i remember how like when you try to make simpler versions of it, like uh, this guy I used to work with played softball, and they always would put these rules in thinking they're going to – and every rule begets another rule until it just becomes like golf well, or something. Baseball know? is is notorious for – you know the they're anytime they change anything designated hitter rule you know they yeah, change i yeah. mean anytime they change anything it fundamentally changes the game right yeah. right yeah and it's that way with chess the thing though that i think i disagree with with the people who say well that that ruins it you just can't do it no it doesn't i mean for of course certain applications it's yeah. great you know like removing the standard openings and everything from the game actually makes it more fun for casual players in a lot of ways, which is why games like those variants are so cool, you know? Yeah, you can do a lot with it, especially like the three-dimensional thing and everything, because people have a hard time thinking that way and knowing what's live and everything, because it's not straight lines anymore. Yeah. Uh, So if you can't see all of it and you have to think about it in your head on, okay, this is now the straight line. You know, it doesn't look like it, but it is. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, yeah, there are those kinds of things, and it's that's kind of cool, adding that into it, and it will trip up. Uh, and my, my dad used to love playing three-dimensional chess because my brother was bad at it, you know. And my brother's probably no the best with chess player in the house. Yeah. 
Yeah, I got a real problem with that. And he's probably, like I said, the best in the house. And he plays a lot. That's uh, awesome. And uh, but uh, I can still screw with him. But uh, the the only one I've I've played recently that that makes it worthwhile uh, to play my brother. He's got a tank variant. Oh wow! Uh, that uh, all of them are replaced with tanks, and it's it's got like the stuff that tanks in, you know, like the rook is artillery, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that, and it's pretty cool. I have a board that's really cool. That's like it has these bronze looking pieces that are all like sort of medieval and everything. Which is really I can't sweet. play on that stuff unless I can't it's either. the the like classic. I don't. There's a name for it. Ta- but it uh, stun. Yeah. yeah, I can't play. I don't understand chess unless yeah. it's the stun. I can't type look pieces. at the pieces and understand them. And quick know enough. what the hell I'm looking at. You know, like I have a Star Wars chess set where it's like it's Luke really and cool, Leia but, uh, on one side and the Emperor and the Vader on the other, and it's awesome looking. And I have no idea what's going on. You're like, put it on the shelf, display it. We're not going to play it. <laughs> it did. It's in a box. In the one that my my dad got me for my birthday a while back, you know, the, the super nice one with the, the inlaid maple and oh, that's and sweet everything. And, um, it's awesome. And I got the, the Staunton with uh boxwood on one side and uh, rosewood opposing really beautiful, you know, but we should have a game night again sometime. I mean, I think we could handle it <laughs> without killing each other. <laughs> I mean, pretty easily actually. Probably. All it took was me, you know, to quit drinking <laughs> <laughs> Go to a lot of therapy, and uh, I could play some. Uh, I could play a board game. Yeah. <laughs> we should indeed have a game tight, a game night again soon. I, I, I think we're ready for it. Finally, uh, there's been a lot of growth and that sort of thing. Um, I'm actually going to do that. I think, but. Moving forward, uh, I have a segment that I recorded uh, the following day with Audra. And again, we talk about her gaming experiences. Look out for the Trivial Pursuit stuff. That's particularly fun, I think. a lot of board games when I was a kid, especially after we moved to New York and, and I was about seven or eight then. And I had a lot of cousins out there, different set of cousins on my dad's side. And it's kind of all we did usually during the summer. <laughs> um, and I've never been that good at board games, <laughs> but um, n- neither good nor bad, you know, but it, it was okay. Um I think Monopoly was the thing that we played the most. <laughs> I, the first time I ever played it, it was I was just barely kind of like mathematically able to grasp all the money and stuff like that. I was pretty like, I don't know, maybe eight, where it's still kind of hard to count up in your head. And I didn't know what a mortgage was and stuff, and I had to have oh, my... Oh, that would be tough. Yeah. As a kid, that would be hard to explain. Yeah, and I remember having one of my cousins who was like 12 or 13 explain you know in terms i could understand like okay this is how it works and um i used to love playing monopoly just i don't know i guess because it was i love spending time with my cousins so having people around that were my own age was just so cool that i just wanted the game to go on forever and monopoly was a game that could go on pretty much forever um it was funny though because i i wasn't really aggressive enough to get the the pieces that I wanted. 
So I would always end up taking a piece that was left over. Like um, everybody always wanted to be the horse, the car. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, for a while, the boot. You know, so I'd always end up being like the thimble <laughs> or the hat. Thimble is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think okay. the hat was popular. The hat was popular? At or, least or the iron. I didn't know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't want to be the iron. <laughs> I think, you know, there was one game that I owned that I actually got really good at because, again, I was patient and I would sit until it was right. Um, Mousetrap. Which <laughs> literally the, the the classic. There's a thousand pieces. They all have to be there for it to work, and it has to be set up perfectly for it to work. And if you lose anything, you're doomed. I I gotta tell the story. I shouldn't, but I'm going to. What the hell? Um, a number of years back, uh, Audra and Sean and I actually were all down for Toolmonger. We were down at uh, the Austin Maker Fair. It was a cool deal, you know. It was a, yeah, it was the first yeah. year they did it in Austin, and we were down there, and it was we a lot of fun. We actually met a guy there who was a GWC fan. Indeed, that was yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, and but but part of it was they 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 always have at Maker Fair kind of a cool combination of like, uh, uh, you know, people who are into building things, uh, artists. You know, kind of the uh, the odd crowd in a cool way. You know, yeah, crafters, DIYers, and right, all kinds of neat people. And they had a the some people out in California put together this human size, you know, life size mousetrap. It was like the game, except it was probably twenty feet by twenty feet, and it had real large oh, things. Least. It was huge. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not trying to put it down. It was neat. You know, it was a cool thing, but. Uh, but during it was set up relatively close to where we were. There was kind of a uh, I forget what the the place in Austin where they have it is, but it's they, it, it's normally used for rodeos. And they had uh, the the barn area where they would normally keep livestock and everything. They right, had, the pavilion type yeah, thing. They had turned it into uh, an area where you could have booths and stuff. And we were doing kind of we built a building and tore it down and stuff. So they put us out and there it was great. Yeah, there was about fifteen feet between us and the edge of the. <laughs> yeah, we were on the edge of the building. I'm making finger quotes, and in reality, it was just the edge of the covered area, you know. And then right outside of the covered area, there was the mouse trap set up, and. They ran constantly all day, and they had this little band of kind of ramshackle band that would play this song they had written about the mousetrap. And it would have been cool, but they were like hipster. They didn't really play. They just kind of played at it, you know? And again, I wouldn't nitpick any of this. Like if I just walked by, because you'd be like, oh, whatever, they're doing the thing. it was really loud. and And, (laughs) And we heard it for two days straight. Like all day, like every eight seven hours a minutes, day. they would play the song. <laughs> yeah, dinka, 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 dinka. You they know, would like clang on on bottles and 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 trash, trash cans, cans and crap, yeah. and, and then they would sing this song really flat, you know, over and over and over again. And uh, I, I swear, I'm not trying to bash on the mousetrap or anything. If if any of you are listening and know the mousetrap people, a bad experience. They were really nice. It's cool. I'm. I think it's cool what they do, but uh, we, we happen to line up in this funky way. And uh, after about, I don't know, five or six hours the first day of it, uh, I can't remember if it was you or if it was Sean or somebody (laughs) first started mimicking the song, you know, because the song had this thing, it's a mouse trap over and over and over again. And, uh, and, and Audra was like, you know, (laughs) 
it's a freaking mass trap. Except she didn't say freaking, you know. And it was like over, and so then she'd sing along with it, a freaking mass trap. And and uh, then it got to where we would we would mimic the band as well. We'd be like dicka dicka. One person would be like doing the dicka dicka, banging on whatever was there, and somebody'd be going, "Is a freaking yeah, mass yeah, trap. yeah." So basically, we we acted like dicks, but we did. I'm sorry. So the bottom <laughs> yeah. line is, ever since then, whenever you hear mousetrap, you know there will be a pause, and somebody will be like, one of the three of us will be like. It's a freaking mousetrap, you know? <laughs> Sorry, I had to tell the story. It's bad. Yeah, no, no, good story. But uh, but yeah, so I, I would set up the mousetrap really well. That was one thing I can do well. But, um, you know, I had a game of Trivial Pursuit that uh, one of my relatives sent me for Christmas as a gift. And I had never... Um, never owned a game like that before. And it was sent, it was to me. It was all my own game. I was like, Oh my God. And I was like, this is great because this is the kind of thing I would be good at. But it was the like Disney 25th (laughs) anniversary. So every single question pertained to the history of the Disney company and Disney productions and like really, really intricate stuff. Like, you know, in the 1940s, you know, like in the first production of Steamboat Mickey or whatever. And I was disappointed because I loved the idea of Trivial Pursuit and I had played a little bit of the standard game where you could choose categories that like normal people could answer. And, or can't, uh, as the case may be. Or can't. And, and I was, again, like, you know, nine years old, maybe 10 and I was getting to the point where I could answer some of the real Trivial Pursuit questions. So I had like a few years of life experience where I could actually figure things out. And then I was so disappointed because I thought, I'm a smart person. I can do this. And the Disney game, it was just like, I couldn't <laughs> answer anything because I just, I didn't know anything about Disney. And I had seen some of the major pictures and that's it. Um, Actually, yeah, go ahead. I, I had a I had a Trivial Pursuit experience as Oh, did well. you? Yeah. Um, in high Uh-oh. school, I, I was in a program. <laughs> I recognize this tone. They had this sort of independent study program thing and I was in it. And, and we, so what we ended up doing, of course, like high school kids do always is we pretty much did nothing for the entire semester. And then we did the projects in the last two weeks and got by, eked by, you know, well, yeah. except for the one or two guys who always like, you know, really did things and that were smart and way ahead of the rest of us. And they're and running TI now. <laughs> you, they are, they are, they run the world and we're just putzes. But, um, one of the things we would do to kill time in there is there was a trivial pursuit game that would sit in there. So we get out the question. We didn't play the game. We just got the questions out and would ask the questions all the time. So we'd sit there for hours asking the questions and so on. And uh, uh, funny thing, one time this uh, one guy in the class uh, had uh, uh, first of all, there was one guy who was way ahead of the rest of us. He he was actually taking Latin in the class as wow. a, as a college yeah. uh, like an by AP mail class while we were dicking around, right? So he's over there doing some of his work. And, and that was the thing. He was never like one of those guys that was like, shut up, I'm doing my work. He was always kind of participating and half doing things and having fun with us. But he, you know, was getting Latin credit at the same time and learning because he's smart. But anyway, um, he's always been kind of an inspiration for me in the way I do things now. But anyway, so we're doing this at one point and, and a question comes up and, and this, uh, this, this girl asks it to this other friend of mine and, uh, other friend of mine just flipped out because it was a pretty esoteric question, even for Trivial Pursuit. I don't remember what it was, but it was it was out there. You know, it was one of those things you're like, really? 
and uh, and he just who would know this? He did. He just came unhinged. He was like, "What the hell? I mean, who would ever know this? I mean, this is so unimportant. This is just stupid." And there's this pause, and uh, Brian, the other guy over there, looks over and he's like, "That's why they call it trivia." <laughs> you're like okay well, uh, point point made there's this big pause and then everybody laughed you know it could have been one of those moments where he explodes and breaks things and, and but instead it, it broke the moment yeah. <laughs> yeah you know um it's funny because there was this one one particular cousin that i would play with a lot with you know and we were about the same age but he was I think a year and a half older than me and he was mean and competitive and he would cheat at everything and he was really crafty at it. And I just, I was naive, you know, so he could always, I was smart, but really naive. So he could basically cheat at anything and I just wouldn't pick up on it until it was too late. So (laughs) we would play. um, I think the only thing he couldn't cheat at was connect four. (laughs) It's kind of hard to cheat. They are locked in the little thing. But we'd play war with a deck of cards. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, I'm trying to think of of all the stuff. I was one of those kids. I'm embarrassed to say now. I used to to think that was awesome that I would cheat. And now it's just, wow, I was just a dick, you know? (laughs) I cheated at Uno, I remember. That's just sad. You're like, I cheated at Solitaire. (laughs) I definitely cheated at Uno. Yeah, I cheated myself. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think it was a good experience for me, though, because I was the oldest in my family, and I never had an older sibling. And I think it's kind of, you know, it may not be fun at the time, but I think it's important to know what it's like to have someone who's a little bit older than you, and you're kind of in the same boat thrown in together, and who will kind of like, you know, I don't know, do this stuff to you so you can sort of empathize with the younger person, you know, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. I didn't. I don't remember playing board games as much when I was a kid. Uh, we did, I'm sure, but I just I don't remember it being like a big kind of focus for me. Um, I don't know why. In hindsight, there must be a reason for that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it might have been. It might have been just because it wasn't what your friends were doing, you know. And as an only child, you know, you probably were a little bit more influenced by what your friends were doing than, you know, people who have like brothers and sisters oh, yeah, tend to kind true. of create their own stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Board games were kind of it for us because video games, people had video games as they were coming out, but most of us were kind of lower middle class, you know, and, and video games back then were still pretty kind of the thing that privileged people tended to have more. So it was like Monopoly, Clue, (laughs) um, Trivial Pursuit, maybe. Um, yeah. Uno, Connect Four, which Connect Four got frustrating to me after a while. It was too simple. And I, um, I wasn't good at it either. It was like, it it was simple and it made me mad that I wasn't good at it. Um, checkers. God, the first time I learned how to play Stratego, I was 10. And there was this girl who lived down the road from me. She is so cool. I, I still miss her. And it was that summer. I I told you about the camping recently. Yeah. She's the one, um, 
who taught me how to play Stratego and she was really smart too. And one of those people who, um, she had an older sister who'd always kind of crap on her. So she didn't come across as like, she, she's very unpretentious, you know what I mean? And, and she was just kind of like so accepting of other people that it obscured how whip smart she really was. And uh, we would play Stratego over and over and over, and she would just beat me over and over and over. And But it never really got tiring because she was cool, you know? I remember when uh, later on, uh, probably six or eight years ago, you wanted to play Stratego real bad, and we had to look around yeah. everywhere, and we bought a set. We and finally played, found a game. Oh, played cool. a game of it. it I was remember cool. we put all the little stickers on the pieces and stuff. It was awesome. We still have it. Yeah, we should get that one out. That's that it's sometime. a cool game because it's not it's not really hard and it's interesting and you can kind of talk through it and you know. Totally. There you have it. Podcast number three hundred and thirty-two. Uh, we will be back next week with our normal uh, type of podcast, which I'm sure we'll all be looking forward to. Hopefully, like I said, with lots of cool stories about San Diego Comic-Con. I think you'll get this maybe Sunday while we're still at Comic-Con. So if that happens and you haven't seen Audra or I and you would like to, and we happen to still be there and things are going or whatever, who knows? Uh, the best way to probably find us is via Twitter. Uh, I'm GWC Chuck and Audra is, imagine this, GWC Audra. And uh, you can just uh, at message us. I think I mentioned last week we are not exactly popular enough to have so many people at messaging us that we won't see you so uh, if you at message us we'll see if we can't uh, catch up with you if that's at all possible with 150,000 people who knows you might even bump into us it's, it's actually happened to me a couple of times but anyway if you're at uh, San Diego I hope you're having a good time if you're not we'll tell you all about it in the next couple of weeks and uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week on behalf of everyone here at GWC thanks for listening and thanks to all who make GWC possible, including producers Soleil, form moderators Badger Spoon, Pike, and Frack and Talos, GWC Book Club Maven, Casilda, and Tech Guru Juan Drew. Remember, if you'd like to share your opinions with the GWC crew and listeners, you can call us anytime at 214-296-9229, extension 701. You can also contact us via galacticwatercooler.com, our website and blog. But you should really spend some time over on the GWC forum. GWCers really are the friendliest people on sci-fi, and we're always re-watching or group-reading something fun. You might even find a GWC meetup somewhere near you. GWC is funded by advertising and by listeners like you. For information on how you can donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. Finally, special thanks to Ferris and his friends Encoder and Jim Minadeo for GWC's sweet theme music. For more Encoder, visit them at myspace.com slash Encoder. <laughs>